Here is today's word from the Lord. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. An elderly woman from Brooklyn decided to prepare her will. She told her rabbi she had two final requests. First, she wanted to be cremated. And second, she wanted her ashes scattered over Walmart. (laughs) Walmart, the rabbi exclaimed. Why Walmart? Well, then I'll be sure my daughters visit me at least twice a week. (laughs) Now, what does that have to do with the sermon? Nothing. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. We're in the midst of a 10-week series entitled... Life Lessons from Luke. And what we've attempted to do is take the words of Dr. Luke as he presents what Jesus taught and see how it applies to us here in the 21st century. Over the past seven weeks, we've examined life lessons from Luke on prayer, on possessions, on priorities, on peace, on paradise, on preferences, and last week it was on planning and preparation. This morning's text helps us examine penitence our repentance. Penitence. This is an important message in that it will help you and I keep our eyes on the ball. Not only as individuals who need to repent, but as a congregation called to reach out to those in need of repentance. We as a congregation do not want to become a holy huddle which acts like a spiritual social club. We're attempting to become a congregation committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, to those who are not believers and to those who are indifferent or who have lost their faith so that they might become empowered and transformed with the life-giving message of the gospel. Penitence. To be penitent means to feel or express remorse for one's misdeeds or sins. To be penitent means to feel remorse or self-reproach for what one has done or failed to do. To be penitent means to feel such remorse or such regret for past conduct as to change one's mind regarding that conduct. We also call it repentance. And repentance literally means to change one's mind. It's a turning of the whole person of mind, body, will, and spirit toward the will of God. Now in Jesus Christ, God gives you and me the privilege of coming to Him in repentance for our salvation and then also coming to Him day by day for fellowship with Him. Penitence. Now this isn't just a once in a lifetime occurrence. It's a daily, moment by moment occurrence in our lives. Not one of us is perfect. Not one of us always does the will of God. And because of this, we need to repent and return to the Lord. We can get comfortable in our spiritual lives and we, become, we can become cocky and arrogant. I'm a Christian. God has done this for me. God answered my prayer. God healed me. God has performed this miracle. And we can rest on our laurels, so to speak, and come quickly to a need of repentance. Repentance also to keep in mind, cannot be done without faith. Because it's actually faith which guides us to repent. In Romans 2.9, we're told that it's actually God's goodness that leads you and I to repentance. 
It also needs to be stated here that penitence or repentance does not earn God's favor or God's grace. It's God's favor and grace which brings us to a point of repentance. When we repent, we appropriate, that is put, put into action. We appropriate, not earn, God's mercy displayed and given on the cross in Jesus. Penitence. Repentance. Now all this is a foundation as we begin to look at this passage from Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, if you'd open with me please. Luke chapter 15 verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Now the tax collectors were not very popular among the citizens and especially among the religious people of the first century. The tax collectors were individuals who were hired by the Roman government to collect their revenue from the people. But what made things so unsettling for the people is that these tax collectors could charge whatever they wanted as a fee to collect the tax. For example, if you owed the government $10, they could charge you $10 for collecting the tax. So your total tax bill would be $20. And you had to pay up. You had no recourse. And if you couldn't pay, you were put in prison until you could pay. Needless to say, tax collectors were not very popular. But here they are gathering to hear Jesus speak. By the way, remember the Apostle Matthew was a tax collector before he repented and became an apostle. Well, not only were tax collectors gathering to hear Jesus, but we're also told that sinners were gathering to hear him. What kind of sinners were not told? Remember, we're all sinners. <laughs> but I guess Luke means they were obvious sinners. <laughs> I think we do a similar thing today. We're all sinners, right? But each of us in our own minds has some level of righteousness or holiness. And then in our, in our mind we have some level of what we think sin would be than other, to call that other person a sinner. See if I can say it this way. You know, you think something like, well, they really need to get their life together. Or they really have a problem. Or, oh, I'm glad I'm not like that. It may be that you're watching the news or you're out at the grocery store. It hits us all in different ways. The problem here is that everyone is a sinner. But you and I as believers in Jesus, our sins have been forgiven. And what God does for us as we follow Him is He constantly reveals to us the sins we aren't aware of. But these first century sinners, we just aren't quite sure what kind of sinners they were. But we know they're sinners, just like us. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were coming to hear him. Now that's a good thing, right? Wouldn't you think that people who need to, the Lord and need to hear the word of the Lord gathering around to hear him would be a good thing? But that's not how the religious leaders saw things. This is not how those living in a holy huddle see things. Verse 2, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They muttered, they grumbled. It means they murmured and complained. It's really got under their saddle. It's really put a bee in their bonnet. They did not like it that Jesus hung around with these type of people. 
and they made it known that it was not appropriate. Now the good news here is that if you're one of these disrespectable types, you know, a sinner, Jesus wants to hang around you. He welcomes you. He invites you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. As a church fellowship, I think this sends an important message to us as well. Are we going to be a church which welcomes those in society, that society looks down on and those that we consider sinners? Or are we going to look down our nose at those kind of people? I believe God calls the church to welcome and embrace sinners into our midst. How else are they going to hear and understand the Word of God? Now, does this mean we embrace their lifestyle? Does this mean we condone their practice of sin? Absolutely not. But it means that we're people who express God's love and God's graciousness to all who would come into the church. I truly hope as we build and grow our church that we don't become just another Christian social club. Now, I know socializing is important and will always offer and provide fellowship and social activities. But if we lose sight of the heart of God in reaching out to the lost, we'll miss our purpose in church. After all, who here is not lost without Jesus? Who here has not ever been lost? Let's be a fellowship of individuals who express the heart of God, not the condemnations of a bunch of religious zealots. Jesus sees and hears what's going on. So he shares three parables to illustrate the heart of God. The first parable is called the parable of the lost sheep. Verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Can you see the heart of God in this parable? Jesus' listeners would have understood. One sheep represented a great value to the shepherd. Even though he may have had a hundred, one could represent the difference between poverty or prosperity. Sure, there might be 99 left, but what difference does it make if losing the one means no profits that year? Each sheep is of great value to the shepherd. It's great that we have the 99 here with us in church. But who is going after the one who is lost? Jesus wants to reach them too. All of us were lost sheep once. Some of us still are. How did God find you? What did it take to get you to come to a place of repentance and turn your life to the Lord? I once was lost, but now I'm found, the great hymn goes. This brings joy to the heart of God. Can you picture the lost sheep being put on the, the shoulders of the shepherd? Can you picture in your mind Jesus with the lost sheep on his shoulder? This is what our purpose is supposed to be as believers, retrieving the lost sheep. Look what goes on in heaven when a lost sheep is found. Verse 7. Verse 7. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents 
than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Can you see the heart of God displayed here? Can you see the heart of God in penitence? Jesus gives another example, the parable of the lost coin, verse 8. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Again, Jesus' listeners would have understood. Although she had ten silver coins, they each represented great value to her. If she lost one, she might not be able to pay her tax. If she lost one, she might not be able to pay her rent. If she lost one, she might not be able to have enough food to get through the winter. And so she turns her house upside down until she finds it. And then she finds it, it means so much to her that she throws a party with her friends. Come celebrate with me. Again, look at the heart of God, verse 10. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Can you see the heart of God in repentance? Jesus then illustrates with a third parable that's found in verses 11 through 31 called the parable of the lost son, or we know it as the parable of the prodigal son. You remember the story. The youngest son goes to his dad and asks for the inheritance and then he goes to a foreign land and he squanders it all and he's living in poverty. He's, things are going so bad that he's actually eating the pig's food and he comes to his senses and he says, you know, maybe my dad will at least hire me back if I go back. And so he's coming down the road and his father sees him and his father runs to greet, greet him and then he throws a big party for him. And you remember the older brother comes in and says, what's going on? And then he goes out upset and angry and he says dad I've been such a faithful son how can you do this in verse 32 the father says we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again he was lost and now he's found can you see the heart of God can you not see what brings him joy penitence repentance why? Because God desires fellowship and communion with those He created. He desires to be in relationship with us. And when we sin, when we go our own way, when we leave the flock, we lose fellowship with Him and He with us. Repentance and penitence restores that fellowship. And it brings Him such joy. Because you bring Him such joy. Do you see why as a congregation it's imperative that we are people who not only live penitent lives ourselves, but we are people who go after the lost sheep, that we look for the lost coin, that we welcome the lost son. It brings joy to God. Where are you with this this morning? Are you in need of repentance yourself? Is there something in your life that you know that God is saying, stop doing that? It's leading you into trouble, but you just keep doing it. Is there something you need to repent of? Maybe there's something He's wanting you to do. And you're afraid, you're scared, you're worried, and you just won't do it. Maybe you need to repent and do what God asks you to. 
And as a congregation, are we going to be a holy huddle? A Christian social club? Or are we going to be people who go out and reach the lost? Who bring delight and joy to the heart of God? Jesus said, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. Hi, this is Foley Beach, and I want to thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. I'm so grateful that we have this privilege of bringing the Word of God to you. If you're listening today and the Lord is speaking to your heart, the Lord is is drawing you to Him. I want to invite you to open yourself to Him, to open your heart, to invite Him to come and, and live in your life. It's really a simple prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are the Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've messed up, and I ask your forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I want you to come and live in my life. So I invite you. I open myself to you. Come and indwell me in your presence. It's not a difficult prayer, but it has to be a sincere prayer. It has to be something that you intend to do and to follow up on. And perhaps I'm speaking to somebody as well today who is a believer, and you're not where God wants you to be. Are you straight off the path? Are you living in disobedience or in sin right now, and you know it's wrong? Or He's asked you to do something, and and you refuse to do it? Why not today say, yes, Lord? Why not today do what He wants you to do? Or stop doing what He doesn't want you to do? And get your life right to Him. Life's too short. It goes by so quick. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day the Lord wants to speak to you, to bless you, to guide you, to strengthen you. And this is my prayer for you this day. And the whole reason we at A Word from the Lord broadcast this radio program is that God might speak into your life, that you might be the person He's called you to be. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking A Word from the Lord.